This content is for institutional investors and information purposes only. It does not contain investment, financial, legal tax or any other advice and should not be relied upon for this purpose. The materials are not tailored to your particular, personal and or financial position. If you require advice based on your specific circumstances, you should contact a professional advisor. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers as of the date of publication, are subject to change without notice and do not necessarily reflect Mercer's opinions. Critical Thinking, Critical Issues. I'm Zenit Patel, Alternatives Investment Director at MISA, and today we'll be talking about the investment opportunities available in real estate with a spotlight on affordable housing. I'm joined by Hannah Marshall, who is responsible for CBRE Investment Management's Pan-European Residential Impact Strategies, and Anne Kumansharapova, who leads on Mercer's efforts in real estate investment and due diligence in Europe and the UK. Hey, Anne and Hannah, welcome to you both. Hi. Before we kick off with some questions, I just wanted to spend some time on the current environment and what this means for real estate. As we all know, the overall macroeconomic backdrop has become more challenging. And for real estate in particular, we've seen rising borrowing costs and property prices adjusting around higher risk-free rates. The expectation is that valuation weakness may occur over the next few quarters, but this provides investors with the opportunity to gain exposure to trends shaping the future. Trends which, over the longer term, generate attractive income and positive value growth driven by fundamentals. With that in mind, let's shift our attention to one such trend that is helping to shape real estate investment the area of affordable housing, and get the insights from our panelists. Hannah, maybe I can ask you the first question. For our listeners who are interested in knowing a bit more about this segment, can you share what affordable housing covers? Yeah, yeah, I can certainly try. So, um, yeah, affordable housing is a term that I would say is is broadly used, particularly in the UK market, and that, that can be quite confusing. So typically, it's referring to homes that are let at below market rents or the opportunity to buy for households that would otherwise not have enough equity. Um, We sometimes further split it into affordable with a capital A, and by that, we're typically referring to the sort of regulated tenures, and then affordable with a small a, i.e. the sort of unregulated tenures, but let at, so assets let at affordable rents. Um, I I guess if you're looking at the regulated tenures, we can... um, affordable housing with a capital A, we can break it down a little bit more. Um, you know, there are a vast array of regulated tenures in the in, in the UK, but actually we, we typically look at the affordable and social rented housing. So there you're, you're providing homes at rents below market levels for households, you know, that otherwise are unable to rent in their local markets. Um, and those rents are capped and the, the rate at which they can be increased are also regulated by government policy. Um, And then you can also look at shared ownership, which is the equity model. So there it's allowing households with sufficient equity to purchase a home outright um, and the option of acquiring it over a period of time while while paying rent on the remaining portion. 
So it's 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 providing affordability to those households who are otherwise sort of squeezed out of the housing market. And, and we'll maybe talk about it further. But I think, you know, this isn't just a UK issue. This is a this is a global issue and, and the sort of lack of supply of affordable housing in its broadest sense. So then what are some of the unique characteristics then relative to other types of real estate that's offered by affordable housing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'd firstly start with really the sort of structural undersupply of good quality. And I'd I'd highlight that good quality, affordable housing um, made worse recently by increasing construction costs. Um, And that's really an issue that persists across the world. So we've seen increasingly that those sort of middle and lower income households are being squeezed out of not only the rental market, but also the owner market as house prices increase and rents have escalated. So they're being squeezed out of those city centres. You know, they're not able to access good quality housing. And that's really important because that impacts people's lives as a whole. Um, You know, having a home is a really, really important starting point for, for anyone and their sort of general well-being um the regulated tenures and, and by this i'm talking more about about the uk can provide more index linked um income a low volatility of returns and and you know sadly tend to be very resilient through downturns because we actually see demand for that type of housing increase um, it's also you know quite easy to collect the data on affordability and, and, and kind of illustrate that to investors and i think we'll come to it later but also therefore you know, there's a clear sort of impact case and, and that sort of an anti-cyclical investment case. Yeah, I think yeah, indeed, as Hannah says, you know, historically, in most, most places, not everywhere, I think real estate investors have been quite focused on the commercial sector. And, mm-hmm. and of late, we are seeing, um, you know, not a reversion, but certainly that sort of the whole of the living sectors, the residential sectors are being added to that. And, you know, while you know, any form of residential can be a good thing to a degree, unless you are obviously um, charging extraordinary rents or something. Um, You know, affordable housing is, you know, really trying to provide both that sort of essential need um, of of giving people a roof over their heads, but equally also having some form of social benefit in that this the, the this type of residential is provided to people that otherwise would have real issues getting onto the market and i think that um when we speak to our clients the two two things combined of you know com, you know adding some further diversification through a residential portion as well as you know ultimately being seen as doing a good thing um really resonates um and um, I think there are some other things happening in the background that this this sector is now ultimately being opened up for private capital. Uh, previously, it was very focused on, you know, um, basically government backed type of uh, funding streams like so, uh, housing associations and the like. And I think governments have started to recognize that, you know, ultimately, um, the two things can be combined. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive to 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 um, provide uh, funding streams from the private sector or the pension sector or wherever from, um, as well as, you know, ultimately serving that housing need. Um, so, yeah. So, and at, at, while I have you um, on uh, at Mercer, you know, we research and we invest alongside the managers and you work closely on this. So, 
you mentioned private capital potentially being channeled towards the space. So for investors who are interested, what are some of the options available to them to access these funds available or opportunities in the space? Yeah, yeah. So as I said, there is um, much more product coming out. I think, um, you know, only 10 years ago, there would have been hardly any. (laughs) Um, I think um, Hannah referred to this already a little bit, but um, there is um, there have been some things, some things changing in the UK that mean that um, there have been more and more products coming out in the UK, at least initially. Um, This is to do with um, the government's objective to um, uh, to bring more um, capital investment into the regions, what they call the leveling up agenda. And as part of that, um, these uh, these local uh, pension schemes, uh, they are asked to actually channel their pension capital into um, you know, investment products that have a social impact or a impact. Um, but, you know, just putting that aside, um, when we look at what is on offer, it's actually a, a pretty varied picture. So you really do have um, investment vehicles that are there to uh, designed to be there for the long term. Um, and, you know, we call these open ended or perpetual products where, you know, there's no there's a beginning. Uh, there's no real beginning and there is no real end. So they're meant to be there for the longer term. And, um, you know, they in terms of the strategies that they do, they it can span quite a few things. Um, so, uh, you know, you have the more straightforward, um, affordable and social housing, but you also have more specialized types of housing. Um, think uh, um, the types of supported living for people with disabilities, for example, or homeless, um, helping the homeless finding their way back into the housing market, uh, those types of strategies. Um, so that is more kind of what the housing is or the, the type of housing. Coming back to those um, longer term, there's also a more shorter term uh, type of strategy, which tends to be focused on really the provision. So the building of the product, because as we already said, there is not enough of it, so it has to be built. And um, in the real estate world, you know, it tends to be that it is quite an effective way of doing that in a closed-ended and a sort of a defined life uh, fund structure. Um, and then, you know, as an investor, you're more benefiting from the creation of the homes as opposed to being a longer-term backer of the of the sector. Mm-hmm. So then, then Hannah, maybe if I can just get your perspective then from an investment manager's perspective, what are some of the requirements to put a successful affordable housing strategy then, strategy then into practice? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And, and I'll maybe focus on the, the impact angle here and, and the sort of strategies we run are, are, you know, targeting impact. So when you look at impact investing, and I think it's important to say this is a, a relatively new area in a real estate sense and is evolving and will continue to evolve. So, you know, all of these things need to be a, a work in progress. But it's really important to to a set some objectives around impact. And I can bring those to life a little bit. Um, you've also then got to define your target outcomes. So set those objectives. But what are you actually seeking to address with those with those objectives? And then you need to measure them at every stage of the investment process. So 
as you make those investments, but then also importantly, as you hold those investments, you know, for the long term, if you're an open-ended fund, as Alan was saying, and look at look at what you continue to achieve. And then also you need to provide transparency around that. So you need to provide transparency to all of the stakeholders, and that may be the housing associations, the tenants, but also importantly, your investors. So transparency is really important in an impact strategy. And I guess just to bring it, maybe bring it to life a little bit, um, when when we're looking at those impact objectives, we're looking at social need, um, and therefore we're you know looking to target developments that are really addressing the local needs. And it is a very local issue. You need to look at each local area where you're investing. What type of housing do they need? What are the requirements there? And it does differ, um, you know, across the UK. We look at affordability, so making sure they're affordable, again, in their local market. So it's very specific. Um, We look to fund sustainable developments. Um, So there we're funding socially, but also environmentally friendly schemes. And there, you know, we're hoping to overlay some of the commercial expertise that Anne was talking about, you know, that exists in the real estate sector where we've all traditionally invested and, and kind of bring them into the residential sector in this affordable element. We look at quality service and by that we mean partnering with, you know, providers that provide high quality services to those underlying tenants. And then importantly, it's additionality. So increasing supply. That's what we mean by that. So delivering affordable housing that otherwise would not be built or funded. So, you know, that's quite broad. It's a massive topic. You could spend a podcast just on that. But broadly, I think that gives a flavour of kind of what we're looking to achieve and how we define it. You mentioned bringing it to life. Do you by any chance Mm. have any examples that you could share um, where perhaps our listeners who are based maybe in the UK can relate Mm to? Yeah, we do. And look, this is a really sort of personal thing, actually. And it's, um, um, you know, we take, um, uh, you know, work hard with, you know, with our registered providers who we partner with, the housing associations, also called registered providers, and then the underlying tenants. But we really recently funded a scheme in in Lewisham. It's called Lewisham Exchange. Um, that provides forty social rental rented units, and then twenty seven shared ownership units. So mixed tenure scheme. Um, and that was that was built and completed at the end of 2021. And um, with our registered provider there, we've 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 um, you know been doing viewings of the flats and interviewing those tenants. And I guess you know look, to bring it to life, we signed up um, or we've offered a, a flat to a care leaver who's been in residential care for most of his life, and for t- the last two years was living in a single room with a shared bathroom and kitchen. Um, there was lots of antisocial behaviour issues where, you know, the accommodation that he was in, he often felt very, very threatened. And, um, you know, he's simply overjoyed to have his own own home. And, you know, he's actually at, at university studying and this gives him an opportunity to sort of study in peace while he achieves his degree in medicine. So it's, you know, they're, they're kind of real life outcomes that actually make a real difference to people's lives and opportunities. Um, and that's, you know, that's one example. I like that real life outcomes making a difference to people's lives. Um, thanks for sharing that example, because I actually don't live too far away from Lewisham. So mm-hmm. it's something that I'm definitely going to check out. Um, and maybe if I could ask you a question also in keeping with us in our assessment of managers, maybe you can touch on some of the key things you look out for when researching a fund. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, first of all, I should say, though, that's um, 
you know, we see investment opportunities much broader than just the UK. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to comment here on uh, what's available in the US market, which is a uh, different, it has a different type of structure, but there are certainly funds uh, available in the US markets as well. But when we look a little bit broader in Europe, there are uh, also a number, increasing number of investment opportunities, although the number uh, of funds available does lag that of what we see in the UK. Uh, and depending on, obviously, the geographies of the fund, you will assess them slightly differently, right? Um, So if we stick to the UK example, I think one key um, element that is sort of specific to this strategy as opposed to anything else is where we look at um, the uh, the model that the manager is using to lease the the dwellings. So there's generally two... um, uh, two ways in which you do this. Either, you know, um, the manager lets them out themselves um, by actually being a registered provider acting as one. Um, And so it has a direct relationship with the tenants um, that has its advantages in that, uh, of course, as Hannah said, you 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 can interview your tenants, you can have full control over that. But for some investors, it also has um, some disadvantages, particularly what we do here, which is really a shame, is sometimes that they talk about reputational risk. You know, what if something goes wrong um, with one of these tenants or this tenant, you know, makes a big fuss on social media or something like that? Uh, and, And could the investor or the manager be negatively affected as a result? The other model, which gets around that a little bit though not entirely is um is where there is um a um a, a more a, a leasing model with an housing association so um in that sense the the manager is one step removed and that it leaves literally um the leasing as well as the asset management generally speaking or not all yeah most of it in any case um to uh to the housing association that literally you know, the, the the manager is really just the provider of the capital and that's kind of where it ends. I mean, um, this is one area that, you know, we are, you know, looking into. It's, it's, it's you know, finding out these quirks of this strategy as well. Um, so, you know, this is obviously not the only thing, but I'm just trying to put out there that it has its own dynamics that mean that, you know, we do really have to get into the weeds when it comes to understanding these strategies and understanding how, you know, one manager may be the right one and how they or how a strategy or manager may differ from the others. So we've defined what affordable housing covers. We've spoken about its unique characteristics and we've also talked about, um, you know, aspects to consider when choosing a, a, a successful manager to invest with. But for many of our listeners, um, perhaps those who have real estate allocation or those who are looking to allocate to real estate, um, they would have considered other sectors as well as part of their investments in terms of building a diversified portfolio. Um, but can you share some thoughts on how an allocation to affordable housing in particular can be considered as investors continue to build out their real estate allocations within their portfolios? Yeah, I mean, shall I maybe maybe start? I, yeah, I mean, sure. I think it can sit in a number of buckets is, is the first thing to say. So, you know, it can be as part of your residential 
exposure in a broad diversified portfolio and and, you know that offers some attractive diversification characteristics as part of the broader portfolio but also sitting alongside other residential strategies whether that be sort of senior living student or the more standard sort of PRS type strategy it it can also sit in the impact bucket if you're doing affordable housing and um, you know some investors do have particular targets around around impact Um, we've seen some of the big Dutch pension funds for example set you know, impact targets and the percentage that they want invested in that. So, so a couple of buckets there. Um, and and mentioned it briefly, but there's also the sort of levelling up agenda, um, particularly for the local authority pension schemes in the UK. So again, it can it can look at some of that and that local investment. And then, you know, really, it offers a core return, but also offers some implicit inflation linkage and some sort of hedging characteristics. So, you know, it's quite a stable income return in a portfolio and can be a good diversifier against say, maybe some of the more, don't like to use the word, volatile commercial um, sectors within the real estate market. Yeah, I think uh, Hannah said that really nicely. It's hard to add to that, but I think, you know, in the end of the day, uh, it's as you said in the beginning, uh, Zainab, that you know through real estate you can get exposure to certain parts of society or the economy that you know are really hard to do otherwise. And um, uh, I think it is therefore with a long-term uh, frame of mind that uh, investors should be looking at this. Um, you know, in that, um, gosh, uh, it, it, ultimately you're only going to make that impact or or get the best return both socially as well as um, economically if you're going to stick with it for some time. And that doesn't mean that I'm against um, closed-ended vehicles that build the product, but I would say, you know, make a decision to back um, these objectives and the what you can do with real estate for the longer term and um, and, and stick with those. So let me ask one ask one final question. Um, to finish on a more general note, what are the key considerations for real estate investors in 2023? And for those on the sidelines, is now a good time to begin a real estate allocation? And maybe you can take this one first. Right. Well, um, I, I do think that history has proven that for the investors who um, step into the market at times of uncertainty, that they are actually... Uh, well rewarded af- afterwards. Um, so from that perspective, if history tells us something, um, this would be a great year uh, or a great couple of years. I think the other thing is that if you are a, a new investor that hasn't built up an, uh, a portfolio of, in real estate yet, you know, this is a, the next period ahead will be a good uh, time to really set your your objectives in terms of what kind of exposure do you want to get um, exposure to and, and ultimately add to those. And I think affordable housing, I think, is on, on that agenda. But equally, um, for investors that are seeing that, um, you know, the values of their real estate investments are going down at the moment, you know, they may be given some you know, elements of liquidity, but real estate is really there for the long term. And I don't think that, um, you know, aiming to uh, exit or trying to exit um, from such funds at in the next couple of quarters is going to do much good, because ultimately you're going to be very likely to be exiting at uh, a, a low point in the market. Hannah, do you have anything to add? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with Anne and, and kind of echo her comments. I think the only thing I'd add is just be forensic about the income. So, um, you know, uh, it, the market's repriced. On the face of it, there are some attractive income returns on offer, but actually you need to scrutinise that income and is it is it sustainable in its broadest, broadest sense? So I think that's that's the only thing I'd add to what Anne's already said. Oh, that's that sounds great. Um, thank you for those insights. And from the discussion today, it's certainly clear that for investors looking to build a well-diversified real estate portfolio, there are certainly merits in considering an allocation to the affordable housing sector. Thanks, Hannah and Anne, for your time and for sharing your insights. And thank you to our listeners for joining in. Mm-hmm.